From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're dedicating Straight Talk to covering the big issues facing us all during this pandemic. Today we'll hear from Labor Commissioner Val Hoyle on the questions her office is getting about workers and employers' rights during the stay-at-home orders. We'll be speaking with her from outside her home in Springfield and also get her perspective of what it's like right now for small-town Oregon. But first, we speak with the leader of Multnomah County. She joins us via video chat to talk about how the county, the biggest social safety net in the state, is handling the crisis. Welcome to my first guest, Multnomah County Chair Deborah Kafori. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you back. Thank you, Laurel. It's nice to be here. You are leading the most populous county in the state during an unprecedented shutdown, and you decided to move your office from the county building on the east side of the Hawthorne Bridge over to the heart of the emergency health response in the health building in Northwest. Why did you decide to make that move? Well, it was important for me to be really close to the action and we've moved all of our emergency operations here uh, to the health department headquarters right across the street from Union Station, the train station in downtown Portland. We can see it right there over your shoulder. Uh, help us understand the daily operations as you respond to this crisis. Well, it's really a 24-7 operation at this point, and we opened up the emergency operations here at the county on January 28th, less than a week after the first case was found over, up in Washington State. So we just quickly moved into action, and we have hundreds of county employees um, from all different departments who are coming together. Um, you can see the photos there. They're working on logistics. They're working um, to get food to people who are hungry. They're working to ensure that our response is quick. They, there's nurses there who are doing investigations once cases are found, really running the gamut of all the operations. I think the county has something like 3,000 employees. How are you keeping these critical services running? And, and you said hundreds of, of employees are working. How about the ones who are not working? How are they doing? Well, everyone is pitching in during this crisis. And for some people, the way that they can be of most help is by staying home. So we have a lot of employees who are teleworking from home. We've had to make sure people had laptops, other computers, electronic devices, so that they could do their work at home. And then for other people who are younger, who are healthy, who don't have um, relatives at home or small children, they can come and work in our shelters and come work here in the operations center. And you opened a, a child care center, didn't you too, for employees? Yes, we did. We have um, really so many amazing partnerships. It's hard to, to know where to begin to talk about them all. But one of them is with OMSI. And it's been a real win-win because OMSI has been able to keep their employees working and we're able to utilize their facility and those employees to help care for the children of our first of people that are on the front lines of this crisis. You mentioned the stay-at-home orders. I want to talk about that for a moment. The governor issued those stay-at-home orders and the social distancing guidelines on March 23rd, a Monday. But the previous Friday, you held a news conference with Portland Mayor Wheeler and the governor, and it didn't seem like you were all on the same page. It seemed like maybe you and, and the mayor wanted more aggressive action sooner, and the governor was reluctant. Could you take us behind the scenes and help us understand the struggle that went into making that decision? 
Sure, and I think what you saw that night was really um, a, a lot of folks who've been working extremely hard. Um, people were, were tired and it was difficult to get our message um, clear and coherent, which was exactly what I had been striving to do. Um, I was concerned that we would have kind of a piecemeal patchwork um, response where one city or one county would say stay home, which really doesn't make sense. If you think about it, um, you need to have a statewide clear message. Everyone needs to stay home unless it's essential. And ultimately that's where we came to and I'm happy about that. But sometimes you see that things don't work quite as smoothly as you would hope, especially when, when you're in a crisis. Really, we, we've never been in this situation before. Uh, tell me what it's like for you. Um, it's, it's difficult. I mean, you can imagine uh, the, the, the anxiety that I feel, um, the, the terror that I feel for not just my family, but for all people in our community. But I'm also really heartened because I get to see day after day people who are going above and beyond themselves to help others. Um, I hear stories about uh, young young people who, who are healthy and who are slipping notes under apartment doors in their complexes saying, if you need groceries, if you're stuck at home, call me and we can help. And you know, those are those are the things, stories that really keep me going. I know one of the things you've really made a priority is taking care of our most vulnerable people who don't have a home. Uh, walk us through what you're doing to help people who are homeless. Sure, it's, um, we know that uh, people who, are, who don't have a place to call home are especially vulnerable uh, as a community in general, but it's when, we're, when the government is telling you to stay home and you don't have a place to call home, it's, it's really, it's unfair. And so one of the things that we've done really from the beginning, um, less than two weeks ago, we started opening up additional shelter space so that people who are living in shelters can socially distance. Um, we've opened up some community centers. We've opened up the Oregon Convention Center. Um, and in addition, in an effort to keep both the public safe, but also our employees who are working there safe, we have um, opened up some hotel rooms. We have partnerships with privately owned hotels who um, right now don't have open to the Jupiter Hotel and another one in, in East Portland, where if people show signs of being sick, whether they have a respiratory issue or they look like they have the flu, we, we move them into a different facility to, so that they're away from other folks who, who aren't sick. And that way, again, hoping to slow the spread of this very contagious virus. And I understand you're also working on something where you could put people who will test positive for COVID-19. There may be some people like that. What are you working on? Sure, we're working on um, getting additional facilities online so that once people are tested, and we know that the testing is just really limited at this point, but as it ramps up and more people do get tested, we want to put those people in a separate facility with medical attention. But for folks who aren't sick enough that they don't need to be in a hospital, but they need to be someplace to recover, we're gonna open up a facility for those folks as well. Is there anything that people at home uh, could help out with? Is there anything that people who don't have a home need? Oh yes, there's lots of ways to help. And if you go on our website, multco.us, there are, there are many ways that you can, that you can pitch in. Um, 
and actually one of the ways we're doing is um, we're, we're hiring people. So there are a lot of folks who um, were laid off from their jobs or who are underemployed to begin with. And we want, we want you to help. We need people to staff all of these shelters. We need people to help deliver food to people who are hungry. We need people to work in our childcare centers. If you're healthy and you're able, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So check out uh, the website we're showing you right now on the air, the Multnomah County website. It also is very helpful. It shows what's open, what's closed with lots of phone numbers uh, for you to contact if you need help because you are still helping with mental health issues and behavioral issues because this is a mental health crisis for a lot of people, isn't it? Oh, it's really scary. Um, we've heard stories about people who are already feeling desperate but then you're told to stay home and isolation from others. And, you know, as humans, for the most part, we want to be around other people. And for a lot of people who live alone, they can be difficult. So, um, yes, we're, we're employing people at, at, in every area really to be of help to our community. So if people are feeling isolated and, and feeling desperate, as you say, what should they do? Uh, where should they reach out? Well, we have a, a crisis line. We have the Multnomah County crisis line and people can call that number um, to talk. We also um, encourage people to call 211. That's our community resource and referral line. Um, there's the Lines for Life, which has folks who are on the other end of the phone who, who can help you um, talk through difficulties you might be having. Just sometimes people just need to hear a, a, a voice on the other end of the line. And that's one of the ways that people can can help who are home as well. I know that I've had my children call their grandparents and our elderly relatives just to reach out and say hi, check in and see how they're doing. In fact, I've got my 16 year old uh, playing uh, piano performances in the evening for for his relatives who can't leave their home. So there's ways that everybody can help even if you're a teenager. Oh, that is a really wonderful idea. Speaking of, of your kids, you have a unique perspective because you're trying to run the county, but also you know what it's like to be a parent. Right now, it's a very challenging time for parents who have kids at home. You have three kids at home. Tell us about that and, and some of the challenges that parents are facing. Yes, it's. I, I can only imagine how other people are doing, especially if you have young children at home. Um, luckily, my children are old enough to take care of themselves for the most part, but they still they're feeling anxious. And um, I know my daughter in particular, she really misses being able to hang out with her friends. Um, I think that the one thing that we can do as parents is to is to be there for our kids and encourage them, listen to their concerns, and realize that their fears are real. Um, and I, I do feel lucky that I have um, such an you know, understanding of what's, a, what's going on and other people might not be in that position, but just being there for my kids. Um, actually, I'm enjoying the evening family nights. I'm not sure how, um, I think they're probably ready to have those come to an end. <laughs> I'm enjoying them too. And it's fun to see how much we're all using social media to connect with, with relatives who, who aren't with us, like you said, uh, playing the piano for older relatives. I wanted to talk about uh, the eviction moratorium. You were the first in the state. Of course, the governor this week um, issued a statewide moratorium on, on commercial evictions, but you were the first one for residential evictions. Um, how is that working? Uh, April 1st, people had to contact their landlords. What are you hearing about how this is working for people who are out of work, maybe had their hours cut because of the shutdown? Yes, it was really important for us to move quickly uh, before rent became due to let people know that now is not the time to, if you're a landlord, to evict 
your tenants, but if you are a tenant now is you shouldn't have to have that extra burden of worrying about be, the possibility of becoming homeless. Especially when we have a stay at home order, we need everyone who can to stay in their homes. So it was really important that we moved quickly. And I know that there are a lot of questions out there. We also have more information about this on our website with a FAQ frequently asked questions. Um, people are calling my office to get guidance and there, it's going to take some getting used to, and there's going to be some wrinkles that we have to work out. But it was really, as I said, really important for us to move quickly and with certainty to let people know that you don't, you won't be evicted because of a COVID-related um, issue during this time. What about for landlords? Are you hearing from them because maybe it'll be tough for them to make certain payments if they're not getting rent? Right, and and. This is really an all hands on deck effort. It's going to take every single one of us in this community to get through this crisis. Um, I don't want anyone, landlords or tenants, to to lose their homes or lose their business. So we're we're working. Um, you know, every every day things are changing, and we're constantly refining our policies and procedures. Um, I, I'm hoping that the dollars that are coming from the federal government and from the state will help landlords. Uh, but that is a slower process than the eviction process, which people could be kicked out tomorrow. So that was really our first step was ensuring that people um, wouldn't lose their their housing. We have about 30 seconds left. Uh, do you have a final message for Oregonians? I just want to say that this is a really trying time and we are all in this together. Um, as I think the most important thing that we can do is to keep a sense of patience and compassion for each other. Reach out to your neighbors who are who are in their homes uh, to see if there's ways that you can help. And just remember that um, that you know we're, we're gonna get through this. It's gonna be hard, but we're gonna get through this. Multnomah County Chair Deborah Kafori, thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk. And thank you for all of your work, your hard work on behalf of everyone during this pandemic. Thank you. And coming up next, what are your rights when it comes to family leave and sick time? And who should you contact if you see a business not complying with a stay at home and social distancing orders? And what's the pandemic been like for small town Oregon? We get answers from Oregon's Labor Commissioner Val Hoyle next. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Oregon's Bureau of Labor and Industries, or BOLI, has been getting a lot of questions from employees and businesses. Here to answer some of the commonly asked questions they're getting and give us her perspective on the health crisis from outside the Portland metro area, welcome to my guest, Oregon's Labor Commissioner, Val Hoyle. Welcome back to Straight Talk. It's nice to see you, even if it's video chat. Very nice to see you as well. Thanks for having me on. Commissioner, you're speaking to us from your home outside of Springfield. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where you live and, and the perspective for people who are living outside the Portland metro area to this pandemic. So I live between uh, Springfield and Walterville in the county area. And um, I, I think one of, one of the things that I've heard a lot from people is that they feel like the messaging is focused on the Portland metro area and coming from the Portland metro area. And there's a few reasons for that. One is that there's a higher population 
um, in that, you know, in that area. And then also we've lost a lot of our local news sources. So whether it's local papers being bought by national companies or just losing local reporters, we've lost that ability to have local news. So um, I think it, it, the other thing is we've got a lot of people out here that work in the natural resource industry. They work in farming, they work in manufacturing. And so for them, they're the people that are providing and putting the food on the shelves in the supermarket or, you know, toilet paper, or all of these things. I mean, there's not a magic food fairy that waves her wand and puts things on the shelves at, at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. The bottom line is it, it comes from our rural communities. So whether it's farm workers or farmers or, or people in manufacturing or in the timber industry, they're showing up and going to work every day. And um, so I think in a way, it feels not real to them and also like the messaging isn't for them. But, you know, the one thing about smaller communities and, and rural communities is that we really care for each other. So I've seen a lot of people reaching out, but the big thing that we're doing is trying to get the message out that wherever you are, it's really important to a social distance, B stay home when you're able, C, you know, again, in, in our communities, we have um, a lot of people who, you know, are, are not are not well off, who don't have access to the internet. I mean, in where I live, we only got access to high-speed internet. They, they just laid cable last December. So we have whole swaths of our state that don't have rural broadband. So these are kids that can't get online to, to take their classes, or they don't have computers, or they, they don't have the ability to work from home. So these are people that are going without income and are really scared. And um, one of the things that, so I've heard a few things. One is that the messaging feels to be Portland centric, number one. Um, number two, that, that we've got a lot of our, our, our people in our community who are lower income. And when they go to the store, they can't stock up. So if you're buying all the toilet paper, that means that my 83-year-old neighbor or, the, or, or, or the, the person that just lost their job in the hospitality industry doesn't have the ability to buy something that's there. You know, it's, so we need to stay calm, to buy what you need, and know that there's a lot of people who are essential workers who are having to go to work. Um, and there's a culture. I mean, I grew up with it, and, and a lot of people here I hear from where they – they feel like they need to go to work. Like there's the, the ethos of you go to work unless you're dying, right? So they're not gonna stay home with a cold or a little bit of a fever. They might be the only person in their family who's, who's bringing home a paycheck. They've never asked for government support. And so they're ashamed and they're embarrassed and they feel like they should just power through it. Well, we're working on getting the message out, whether it's in Multnomah County, Lane County, Umatilla County, the tribal communities that this is not something to push through and that you need to stay home and that you can have protected leave, whether it's because your kids are out of school or because you need to be quarantined, that leave is protected. And that's an important message too. I appreciate all that messaging that you gave us from, from rural Oregon, um, but that's an important message too about sick time and family leave. What are people's rights? So um, in, in Oregon, Every worker, whether you're part-time or you're full-time, um, you get one hour of sick leave, paid sick leave, for every 30 hours work, up to 40 hours. So um, the, you know, people are utilizing that sick time as they should. One of the, some of the feedback that we've gotten from our local hospitals is that 
they're being overwhelmed by people calling them asking for sick notes because their employers feel like they have to have sick notes in order to allow someone to take sick time. Well, we're asking employers, don't ask for the sick note. We're in a global pandemic. The law doesn't require the employer to ask for a sick note. It does um, in order to give someone access to their leave. So we're asking employers um, to, to be lenient and understand that we need hospitals to be able to take care of people. And right now they're being overwhelmed by those requests. We also, you get 12 weeks of either um, family leave or uh, Oregon uh, family leave. You can utilize that if you're sick. You can utilize that to take care of a family member that's sick. And um, I expanded rules to make sure that if you have a child who's home because the public schools have been closed, that you're able to utilize that leave. And, and that leave runs concurrently, the family leave and the Oregon family leave. Um, the Federal CARES Act expanded um, the Federal um, Family Leave Act, the FEMLA, so that if you're, you're quarantined, if you're sick, you're able to use that for yourself. So if you have to take care of a child, if you have to take care of a sick family member, if you have to take care of yourself and stay home, you can have protected leave. That's not paid leave, but it is protected. So your job is protected while you stay home. I know you're, you're also getting a lot of calls about something that doesn't really fall under your jurisdiction in your office, but where people should call if they want to complain about businesses that aren't complying with the social distancing or the stay at home orders. Uh, where should they go? So that um, would be to OSHA um, and uh, the Occupational Safety and Health um, Administration. And um, we're getting a lot of calls where um, employers are not uh, allowing their workers to social distance or you have people that aren't observing social distancing. And um, so contact OSHA. Uh, what we're letting people know, we, we have a, a technical um, employer technical assistance line that we encourage employers to use and to understand that our technical assistance line, whether you call or you email us, has a clear firewall between them and our enforcement division. So we want employers to ask what the rules are. This is a really stressful time and um, for both employees and employers. And um, we want to work with our employers as much as possible to be flexible, this also isn't the time to take advantage of workers. I, I will say that that here, um, whether it's Lane County or the coast or out in Eastern Oregon, places where um, they make their money either on agricultural crops that have a specific season to pick, right? Or in the tourism industry, if you miss out on two months or three months, that's sometimes your entire annual, like what you count on for your yearly salary. So there's a lot of people that are hurting and afraid. Um, but fundamentally, the the sooner that we can social distance and get through this, um, the, um, the sooner we'll all be able to be better. Uh, we've momentarily lost and, your signal. And get back to work. We have you back, uh, but um, we'll see that we're, you know, Thanks. we're just doing this, the video chat. So sometimes part, they have part of being issues. in a rural community, right. right? We only have about a minute left, yeah. but I did want to ask you about discrimination because I know your office protects people and their yes. rights and protects them against discrimination. NBC reported about hundreds of racist and xenophobic incidents in the past week in about a minute. Can you tell us, are you seeing incidents like that? What's your message to Oregonians? 
We are. We're getting a lot of calls to our civil rights division, and we encourage people to call because they're being um, denied services because of their ethnicity. Um, and you can't do that. That's illegal, and we will enforce that law. You can't look at someone and say because they look like they're Asian that you uh, they, they shouldn't be able to get food or have services. That's illegal. We will enforce that law. And what I would say is just be kind to each other, look out for each other. And um, I, this is a very scary time, but um, we're Oregonians, and there's a safety net that people have paid into. This is the time to use it and um, understand people are under stress and uh, we need to be there for each other. I'm, I'm really heartened at how many people have stepped up to help their, their neighbors and their community. It makes me proud to be um, a citizen of this state. That is the silver lining there. Thank you, Labor Commissioner Val Hoyle, for joining us from your home near Springfield. We appreciate it. All right, take care. You Bye. too. And thank you for watching and listening. Don't forget to download our new podcast. There's the QR code that'll take you to a link where you can download it or get it wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for KGW Straight Talk. And there are more opportunities for you to watch now. We're on Fridays at 7 p.m., Saturdays and Sundays at 6.30 p.m., and Monday mornings at 4.30. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Stay home and stay safe.